Welcome back to Second Helping, the first choice among podcasts for fans and followers of the top league in all of intercollegiate athletics. That league, of course, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, joined as always by my great friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Beard, College Football Analyst for First Coast News. And Brent, wow, I guess we do have some basketball we can get into as it relates to the SEC, but most of it disappointing banter following the performance by the league in the first full weekend of the NCAA tournament. Boy, one of the most disappointing performances by the league uh, that we've seen in quite a while. Arkansas is still alive, but they've got Gonzaga. Trav, that may not last long, right? So uh, the uh, uh, but tremendous disappointments by uh, Kentucky and by Auburn, um, and and frankly. Um, those games were not a fluke. Uh, they just got beat. Uh, I, I know there are a bunch of reasons why this happened, but uh, very, very disappointing performances by the league, and they've hired a bunch of coaches. Uh, I won't detail all of them now, but uh, Trav, the it was the, uh, instead of going after the veteran like they did and uh, Ben Howland from Mississippi State, it was a lot of the uh, nothing wrong with this, but that's just the pattern. Younger guys, very much in analytics, uh, and who had not had a whole lot of experience in the NCAA tournament. So, boy, what a what a week for the SEC. Yeah, it wasn't a great weekend at all. And you incorporate Tennessee's disappointment in the second round into that, and you know your three teams that you really anticipated making deep runs, maybe three to the five, the elite yeah. eight with Kentucky and Auburn and Tennessee and you know, Kentucky gets ousted in the first round by Cinderella, St. Peter's uh, Tennessee and Auburn go out in round two. Alabama went out in the opening round. Um, Arkansas, man, you got to give the flowers to Eric Musselman. This yes. is a guy that he has worked the transfer market extensively in previous stops and it feels like he almost had a little bit of a head start because a guy like J.D. Note is top guard. Uh, he was able to bring him in from Jacksonville University, and uh, he's been a huge piece to that puzzle. But, boy, it's an Arkansas team. You said it. It's tough out west because you get Gonzaga in the 16, and then on the other side of that bracket, you've got the two and the three. You've got Chalk out west with the one through four, and the two and the three are Duke. In Texas Tech. So Man. if Arkansas makes it back to the South, makes it back to New Orleans for the Final Four, you won't be able to say this Razorback team didn't earn it. I tell you what, Trav, when you look at this right now, when you when you look at Arkansas and coaches for football, baseball, and basketball, they are in as good a shape as anybody in the conference is right now, Eric Musselman has won five NCAA tournament games, sweet 16, two years in a row. Uh, the, those are the things that people remember uh, about a coach. And I remember as they were hiring him, a lot of people said that, that he very well may be the best coach the Hogs have had since Nolan Richardson. Arkansas has become kind of what Florida 
was top to bottom that's a great in terms point. of an athletic department because yes. if you want to get into track and field right and even things like that even mike neighbors is the women's basketball coach has done really good things in pulling that program up they are they're very impressive arkansas is uh the hire of sam Pittman, as you outlined looks like a stroke of genius at this point so uh, the arkansas athletic department even beyond men's basketball uh, in very good shape these days. So as we move forward and we look ahead to some other items of interest during the spring months, certainly football at the top of that list. And we consider that at this point, right, we've got pretty much all of the 14 teams on the practice field, or at least 13, because Missouri's already had its spring game. <laughs> and I guess there was a team or two in the league that was just getting cranked up here in the next day or so, or the last day or so. Yeah, uh, Missouri had their spring game on Saturday, um, and I think they were pretty pleased with how it came out. Dylan Cook and Tyler Macon at quarterback, uh, they threw four touchdowns and a couple of actually three picks on that. Uh, and maybe, Trev, the guy that was at the game that but wasn't necessarily playing but drew the most attention at Missouri one JT Daniels that we have chronicled quite a bit over the last few weeks. Yeah. Are we down to maybe a select group for JT Daniels in terms of his next stop? Uh, what it looks like at this point that, that yes, uh, there are three schools, Oregon state, Missouri, West Virginia, still going to be later on this spring. Uh, he is, still trying to graduate from Georgia uh, and it's frankly taking its time in what he is doing kind of on this tour. Uh, but again, he's drawing a lot of attention, but uh, to be quite frank, JT Daniels, as good as he is, still has a lot to prove. Uh, he's been very fragile in a lot of ways uh, and, uh, certainly, the Georgia beat riders will tell you that also. That that also extends Travis to um, a a situation with um, uh, you know how tough is he mentally? Yeah, I think I think for J T. Daniels at this point in his career, it's just been a fascinating sort of 180 in terms of the narrative and the expectations. The expectation previously being. He'd go from USC to Georgia, plug in as a starter. That looked like it was very much the case at the end of the 2020 season. Uh, he was the the guy in Athens. You go into 2021, opens the season in that role, but between injuries uh, and issues, uh, it ends up being Stetson Bennett. Stetson now very much embedded as the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs. And so when you consider JT Daniels' next stop, regardless of where it is, He's going into a situation where he'll absolutely have to compete. Yes. It's not going to be viewed as, well, it's plug and play at even Oregon State or Missouri or these programs. He's going to have to go to the, one of these places and, you know, fight for every rep he gets and, and outright, you know, battle to, to gain a, a top two spot on a depth chart. So I'm sure he's giving his people, his folks are giving a lot of consideration in that situation as well. You know, the guy we've talked about a lot in terms of potential for the transfer portal came to fruition here in the last week. Emory Jones didn't take long, did it no. for Emory no. in the spring practice there in Gainesville to decide that he would be making a move from the university of Florida. 
Uh, well, the beat writers made it very clear after two practices, uh, Emory saw where he was uh, in the uh, not only in the depth chart, but that his accuracy had not improved that much. Um, so he was uh, and is on the move. Had decided maybe what a, a week earlier that that he was going to stay. Now I give Billy Napier credit for this. He basically took care of him and. I told him he could be a part of the team, uh, and he was for a while. I think they treated him well, uh, but to Jones' credit, uh, he's smart enough to read the tea leaves, I guess, Trav, and decide it's time to go somewhere else, uh, not only with Anthony Richardson, uh, but this uh, Jack Miller uh, is another guy, the Ohio State transfer, and Jalen Kitna, uh, we understand, is look good also uh, don't know where jones goes that that would be very interesting to see but uh, uh to go to a team that can uh, that can use his um uh, dual threat uh, abilities but right now it certainly is not going to be florida yeah when you think about emory jones and potential destinations for him i would think more group of five Or even FCS, if Mm -hmm. he wants to go into a situation where he can immediately compete for the starting job, that would just be one thought on that. Jalen Kitna, an interesting guy, the son of former NFL quarterback John Kitna that some of the old heads might recall (laughs) out there. So uh, we keep an eye on the Florida quarterback situation heading into season one under head coach Billy Napier. You know, spring also can be bittersweet in regards to injuries. You you get some promising news on some guys trying to come back from some injuries. I know Georgia uh, has that sort of situation. We talked about the wide receiver position specifically and the injuries and the absences that the dogs have encountered here in the last couple of seasons. Sounds like there's some at least promising news on that front. Meanwhile, at Kentucky, boy, just the worst news when you consider an injury to a promising defensive player and the fact that it's expected to keep him out for the entirety of the 2022 season. Yeah. Uh, the, the injury news has been a, uh, uh, a, a kind of a blessing and a curse, uh, at Georgia, Dominic Blaylock, Trev, if you stopped, uh, 10 cars of Georgia fans, how many would remember that Dominic Blaylock was still on the team? Yeah, uh, frankly, because of the two ACL injuries, uh, but we know when he's healthy, uh, he certainly is a threat. And as Trent mentioned, the unfortunate news, uh, Kentucky freshman Vito Tisdale tore an ACL, misses the entire season uh, at this point. Now, he had had some, uh, some a brush with the law, uh, and they thought that he was going to be uh, – uh, kind of back, ready to go at this point. He had all that behind him. Certainly unfortunate right now, but uh, Trav, the, uh, the, the injury situation and the return from injury situation was going to be a big deal with a lot of teams during the spring. Well, I'll tell you what. What about Lane Kiffin and the transfer portal? Is Are there any players left in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at those <laughs> programs between TCU, SMU. We just need to label it Ole Miss at DFW at this point, it feels like, because Lane has done some heavy lifting in that area and really other places around college football, the tandem, the duo he was able to mine out of USC uh, with Jackson Dart at the quarterback position 
uh, specifically in mind there. This has been a transfer portal recruitment season by a team, the likes of which I haven't seen to this point of the year. 20, 20 mid-year enrollees, including uh, Ulysses Bentley, a running back from SMU, and TCU transfer linebacker Kari Coleman. Uh, Both those guys can play uh, good pickups for Ole Miss. Obviously, uh, Luke Altmer played a lot in the bowl game. Uh, unfortunately, with after Matt Corral's injury, Jackson Dart, uh, some of the guys that, tra- that Travis. How about Malik with? Heath coming in from Mississippi <laughs> yeah, State? Absolutely. That might test the friendship it with the might. Pirate in line. <laughs> yeah, how he'll be received in the Egg Bowl will be very interesting. And, and uh, Travis, the 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 thing that really caught my eye, uh, Lane Kiffin in his opening press conference. This was on Tuesday of this week. Uh, I shot across the bow at one Jeff Levy, who is no longer with them. A quote, I felt we didn't play very well on offense in the bowl game. As head coach, I take responsibility for that. And it was embarrassing. It was an embarrassing performance. And we did not give them any issues at all (laughs) schematically. So I don't know. I've been a part of 10 sacks before like that. Now, look, all this wasn't Jeff Levy's fault, I'm sure. But uh, (laughs) according to the Beat Riders Ole Miss, Lane left no secret uh, who he was was talking about in that opening press conference, Trav. Yeah, well, you let your quarterback run around like you did Matt Corral, yes. you're yes. lucky you got that far into the season with as much as you got out of him. He was oh, already absolutely. beat up. He was. You know, how many times did he run it against Tennessee? 30? Something yeah, like probably. that? Yeah. I mean, you exposed the quarterback, and I'm sure that wasn't Jeff Levy's uh, decision alone. Oh. Uh, we all know Lane is very uh, involved on the offensive side of the ball with an emphasis on the quarterback position, but yeah, I mean, Petty Lane is pretty much typical Petty, is pretty much typical Lane um, when it comes to that. And so uh, no real surprises there to come from Lane. And, you know, Luke Altmeyer, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where he's at at the quarterback position and getting that push from Jackson Dart coming in from SC. I'll say this for Lane. He, he understands the importance of winning right now. He does. You know, and uh, I think if you're in his place in the pecking order of the Southeastern Conference, the transfer portal is going to have to be at your beck and call because uh, you're not going to have the opportunity to develop three stars if you're truly trying to compete with the Alabamas and the LSUs and the Georgias of the league. Uh, you're going to have to go that route. And, you know, sometimes you're probably going to strike some goal with it. Sometimes you're probably going to come up a little empty, but uh, definitely going to need a lineup card for this Ole Miss team in 2022. Hey, Brent, we talk about Alabama, and I guess if you're an Alabama fan, exactly what you would want to hear from quarterback Bryce Young in relation to, speaking of the transfer portal, a couple of Alabama's newcomers on the offensive side of the ball. I think maybe Bryce Young's best attribute is his maturity and that he is just basically unflappable. Uh, And he does the same thing when he is interviewed. Uh, Trev told the media he missed those guys. (laughs) So uh, talked a lot about. They're watching the Nick Saban 
watching yeah. the Nick Saban press conferences. But, you know, I yeah. mean, you're right. This is a guy, when you consider he's only going into his third year mm-hmm. of college football, uh, he, he's, a, he's a seasoned pro at the podium, no doubt he about is. it. Uh, Jameer Gibbs uh, certainly is a guy you've written about, uh, but has really uh, caught his eye. And, and, and I think what was interesting for uh, fans reading his comments uh, was, and I'm sure they've got some kind of, as you know, Mick, Nick Saban would, uh, some kind of an award system for guys who practice well. Well, as obvious, Gibbs has been awarded whatever they give out during that time, uh, and that certainly caught his eye. Also, uh, how about uh, Jermaine Burton? Uh, it talked about his uh, maturity and how they've worked together so far. Call them a uh, really professional mindset. I, I thought that was interesting uh, to, <clears throat> to say the least, but, uh, boy, those are – and, again, two guys from the transfer portal, Trav, and, and Saban doesn't get many, but they'll certainly be counted on this year. Might be adding another on that offensive line here That's in the right. next week or so with Tyler Steen, the Vanderbilt uh, player who is in the portal, the offensive tackle set to make a trip to Tuscaloosa this weekend to check out the Crimson Tide. I believe he's either at Kentucky midweek or has been in Lexington checking out the Wildcats as well. And, you know, some teams still just getting cranked up in spring practice around the SEC with a, a underlining of Tennessee. A lot of momentum for the Vols. Tennessee has the feeling of, say, Florida a year ago going into the 2021 or 2020 season in terms of the growing hype that I think you're going to hear surrounding a team not named Georgia from the Eastern Division. And also some momentum for the Tennessee Vols on the recruiting trail, a five-star quarterback commitment for the Vols here in the last couple of days. And that was a, a, a tremendous pickup for them. Nicholas Lamaleva. Uh, and Travis, if you have a better pronunciation on that. Iamalea. Uh, yeah, I believe it's Iama. Okay. Iama. I, I, look, we're probably both wrong, but I, I, yeah. <laughs> Nico is is, is kind of like Tua. You know, yes, when Tua was coming absolutely. out. Absolutely. Well, uh, a five-star quarterback uh, in some of the uh, – um, I, I think the, the, the ball beat writers have looked at him as maybe the best quarterback prospect they've had since Peyton Manning in the mid nineties, boy, that, that tells you about Tennessee recruiting for quarterbacks in a nutshell, does it not? Uh, but Nico, as we'll call him very heralded big pickup for Tennessee. The ball started, uh, this week. Uh, and with, I think, again, a lot of promise, Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, Jeremy Banks, and others who are coming back during this time. Now, they've got guys uh, who I think will be out uh, also. Uh, but, uh, again, as we've said many times, Josh Heupel did what he needed to do. They were an exciting team that scored a lot of points, got a lot of attention, renewed a lot of season tickets, to say the least. Uh, but, Trav, like we talked Ole Miss a minute ago, I'm going to throw Tennessee in here, too, uh, for them to get to the next step. Both those teams have got to improve uh, consistently on the defensive side of the ball, too. No doubt about that. And we talk about the quarterback situations. I know we get quarterback-centric on the podcast here, but 
there's so much news or a lot of the news typically involves the most important position on the field. And Texas A&M goes to work out in College Station. There's certainly intrigue about the quarterback situation out there. Haynes King coming back from the injury. Max Johnson in from LSU. Uh, Connor Wegman as a freshman. I'm telling you, watch this guy. He was a five-star and uh, seeing him in the Under Armour All-American game, he can absolutely deliver it. So uh, what did we get out of the first little bit of the start of spring drills, maybe with A&M where the quarterback position is concerned? Um, according to uh, Jimbo Fisher, he is pleased with all of them. But, but, but listen, when he talks about quarterbacks in this group uh, the the thing that you get from him is, you mentioned Wigman a minute ago. Trev, he goes out of his way in the excitement in his voice when he is talking about Connor, and it may just be me, but it's different he than the other be. guys. He, he is, in terms of NFL potential, next level potential, yeah, if you watch yes. Connor Wigman, uh, do his thing. And I love Max Johnson, as we know here. I, I'm a Max Johnson fan. I think if you're trying to win right now, which the Aggies obviously are, Max Johnson, for me, would be the quarterback in 2022. Yes. Right. But I'm just telling you, sooner rather than later, I think people around not only the SEC but college football are going to become very aware of uh, Connor Wigman. Uh, and, and let me say that whoever the quarterback's going to be, Trav, when, you, when you've got an Anaya Smith coming back, that's not a bad thing either, is it? Yeah, there's there's some weapons still there with that uh, Texas A&M team. Obviously, Jalen Weidermeyer at the tight end position moves on, but you're hoping Baylor Cup mm-hmm. can finally stay healthy. Uh, he's had an injury plague start to his career at A&M, and you lose Isaiah Spiller, but you have Devon A. Chain at the running back position. So uh, there's still some capable people there in that offense. It'll be interesting to see which of these quarterbacks, though, will be able to sort of elevate the play of of the next wave. Chase Lane back at the uh, wide receiver position. So uh, uh, and and as we know, there's going to be some absences in spring practice that are going to impact some of that. Um, you know, and we see that around the league on a on a pretty consistent basis. And then, really, LSU too, kind of in this group, right? Speaking of Mac yes. Johnson and moving oh, yes. on from the Tigers, but LSU set to get spring drills underway here. And uh, Miles Brennan back, Garrett Nussmeyer back, Walker Howard in as a true freshman, Jaden Daniels a little bit of a surprise coming in as a transfer from Arizona State, plenty to sort out for Brian Kelly heading into year one in Baton Rouge. Yeah, what a wonderful problem to have, frankly, with uh, what uh, LSU has got. Uh, Garrett Nesmeyer had his moments last year. I give Miles Brennan credit for coming back. I wonder how he feels after uh, Brian Kelly talked him into coming back, and he brings in a full quarterback room. Also, uh, Kelly loves Walker Howard, uh, the true freshman. Jane Daniel, by the way, does have two years of eligibility left. Uh, as Travis mentioned a minute ago, Max Johnson no longer for the team at, at Texas A&M. Man, oh man! I, I, I mean, this is a this is a good group to start with. And Trav, when you when you add this. 
to what they've got at running back with John Emery if he is ready to go uh, academically along with uh, his health and Noah Kane and Corey Kiner and uh, Josh Williams and, and that group. Uh, uh, boy, if, if that if they've got enough on the offensive line, uh, this group could be uh, uh, really difficult to deal with by the time October, November goes around. Yeah, you think about Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, and those were run-heavy offenses. Yeah, they were. They want to pound you. And when you think about Brian Kelly and Notre Dame, I, I, I don't really associate those offenses with the quarterback position as much, although Ian Book and you know, some of those guys did a nice job. But uh, offensive line, tight ends, backs, um, that was the M.O. Uh, for the offenses under Brian Kelly. So I would expect some carryover, certainly, in that regard to LSU. Well, Brent, anything else before we get out of here on a Wednesday? I think South Carolina is also, uh, they have started, um, and I think obviously everybody's looking at Spencer Rattler, but they've also got uh, Luke Doty to help them. I, I think more as a backup than anything else. And, and Trav, to me, the, 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 the biggest thing for South Carolina is going to be uh, will Marshawn Lloyd be healthy enough at running back coming off that ACL to really get some pressure off of that passing game? That that is, that is a guy, you remember when they brought him in, they thought that he would revolutionize that offense and give them a real weapon. Unfortunately, that has not happened. Uh, but, but boy, if, if Shane Beamer in this team can make anywhere near the progress they made, they made last year, um, the, the Gamecocks will make a little bit of noise again this season. Kind of tough on Beamer. You go to a bowl game, win the bowl game in year one when there's absolutely no expectations. <laughs> and suddenly now within the fan base, well, we ought to go to eight, nine wins in yeah. year yeah, two. Absolutely. So sometimes oh, yeah. you speed yourself up among your own fan base by a year or two uh, if you're a little maybe too successful in year one. But it's certainly a BC alternative, no doubt yes. about that. And uh, we'll be interesting to see how much trust how much trust the South Carolina staff has in Spencer Rattler in terms of the timing in which they're willing to publicly go forward with him as the guy, right? And say, yes. this is our quarterback. Yes. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they still wait until fall, fall camp to, to go all in with uh, Spencer and uh, given his track record a little bit. So, Look, I think I think you're right on with this. And we talked about JT Daniels. I think Spencer's the same way. It's it's not a a his physical attributes. It's what can he deal with psychologically, uh, and and will he be tough enough? Both of those guys uh, mentally to get the job done of what they need to be able to go with. Uh, at that point, and I, I think that's going to be very, very important. Uh, I do want to kind of, I want to kind of end on two things real quick. Trav, one is on Labor Day weekend, uh, Arkansas is up and going, but I think people forget on Labor Day weekend. How about Cincinnati at Arkansas? That that hog non-conference schedule. That's a pretty good beginning for the season, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this a little bit in recent weeks, but. 
Well, Labor Day weekend, typically uh, a big one for the SEC. And uh, not so much, uh, you know, when you talk about LSU and, and Florida State and New Orleans, that's a cool game. Um, Utah at Florida, we've talked about in Gainesville. Uh, tough opener for Billy Napier to get things going. Yeah, certainly going to be some some fun games. And, uh, of course, Alabama at Texas won in the early stages of the season uh, that we're going to have our eyes on. I guess that's week two that we yeah. get Texas hosting the Crimson Tide. And, and I want to end on this, Trav. What, what about – I know this is outside the league, but what Gene Deckerhoff – at mm-hmm. Florida State, uh, retiring after the spring game. I think he's going to do one more year with the Bucks. Uh, but uh, you, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, it's really amazing when, when you think about it. Uh, and, and someone said this, and, and I think they said it well. Gene has seen pretty much all the uh, epic moments and Florida State football during his career. Trav, how many play-by-play guys can say that? He's been incredible. And I can tell you, growing up in Northeast Florida, uh, it was appointment viewing, watching him host (laughs) the Bobby Bowden show on Sundays. And to think of what he has been able to do in managing that schedule with Florida State and the Bucs, uh, the, the guy must, he must run on batteries or something. It's, it's pretty amazing, even yeah. with the advances in travel and things like that, but just a pro, an absolute pro, uh, a guy you always wanted to listen to a guy that I think the greatest compliment I can give a play by play announcer in college sports, especially is even if I'm not a fan of that team or I'm an opposing fan that's involved in a game with that team of the the play-by-play callers uh employer i still will listen to him you know larry munson was kind of that way absolutely um but there are so many announcers these days that it's it's frankly it's hard to do that yes um but gene decker off regardless you you just love you love hearing that guy call a game uh, well, uh, Trev, I think John Ward at Tennessee was in that group, uh, frankly. Yeah. Uh, just um, uh, yeah, listen, some of these guys are just mesmerizing, frankly. I, I mean, the, the, uh, Trev, they're, uh, they're not calling games. It's almost like reading literature in some ways with some of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be. Jack Crystal previously yes. of Mississippi yes. State. Uh, for years was another one of those guys that you could you could listen to throughout the years. And again, I'll end on this. Uh, uh, the um, uh, you know, in some of the old time, uh, Keith Jackson, uh, Trav, who I still would catch a game that he's doing, uh, and at least even if I'm in a hurry, will at least listen to five minutes of it. For a guy who pretty well uh, set the tone for how many other play-by-play guys. Uh, and, Trav, I don't care what he was doing. He could be calling a marbles match. And Keith, <laughs> Keith Jackson was flawless, was he not? Yeah, he could be calling Battle of the Network Stars <laughs> back in the day on ABC. And you would That's tune right. in. Well, Brent, as always, a lot of fun, my friend. Look forward to doing it again next week. And, uh 
can't wait to see what these next six or seven days of spring football unfold. And maybe the Arkansas Razorbacks will keep that flag flying in the NCAA men's yes. basketball tournament for the SEC. Uh, and listen, well, we're on the verge in, in a couple of weeks of going through uh, the, the month of April with spring games. So that's going to be a lot of fun, too. Trav, uh, appreciate all our listeners and for Bill Oakley, uh, our executive producer, what he does for us, too. And always enjoy being with you. And again, what a great time of year for, for sports. Absolutely. And if you haven't already, how about a subscription to Second Helping? And- Wherever you consume podcasts, you're going to find the show. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. For Brent Beard, Bill Oakley, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping. Until next time, so long, everybody.